Chris Hall, who is one of the elders here in our church and one of, um, heads up our, what do you head up, our financial advisory board. He is bringing the word today. Can we give him a hand? Special button. Ah, this is a complicated job. Great. Good morning, everybody. It's great to be here with you this morning. So, Pastor Carol, when you say, please pray for, I feel compelled to pray. So, family, why don't we just, uh, let's just pray as we, as we open the service, and we're going to pray for those in our family who are going through some challenges, and then we're going to just dedicate this time to the Lord. So please join me as we pray. Father God, we thank you for this church. We thank you, Father God, for the Gosmans, for Andrew and Carol. We thank you for their leadership, Father, the way in which they pastor us and look over us. We thank you for their hearts towards us, Father, and their hearts towards you. And I just pray that you lift them up, Father, as a family during this time. Just pray that you be with Pastor Andrew as he's with his alien mom. And Lord, I just pray that your joy, your victory, your peace would surround them, Lord. I pray that you would be with them in this difficult time and that your presence and joy would make it easier and ease the burden, Father God. And Father, I just lift up Sammy. Lord, we love Sammy. She's amazing. Lord, and we just pray for your healing hand to be upon her, your power, your presence right now to relieve her discomfort in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, we know that you are a healing, powerful God. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're there with her right now. And Father, as we spend time together in your word this morning, I just pray that your presence will be here with us, that you will lead us and guide us as we seek your face, Father God, as we search through your scriptures. And I pray that you speak to every heart this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, family. Well, we're on our series of impact and how do you impact your world, okay? And um, it's interesting that we've chosen this word because it's, an, it's a word which has come up in recent times, even in, in, um, in business, okay? It's about not just your contribution, but what impact are you making? And I think that that's an extra level in terms of understanding what is it that we are doing that is changing something? How are we shifting the environment? How are we shifting the places of influence that the Lord has placed us? And if we go to the next slide, you'll see that we've been going through the series and um, Pastor Carol last week and, and in the week before, we shared our four E's, right? What are the four things that we are essentially doing to equip and make an impact in our nation, in our society, in our community? And those four E's, it's interesting, when I was studying marketing, we used to have the four P's, and then that became five and six. I think they're up to seven now. They just keep multiplying. But really, at, this, at the essence, in the beginning, when you look at marketing, the, the, the thing in the beginning is the consumer. Like, what are you doing to surround that? So if you were to think, what are we doing to surround us? What, are, what is the church doing to make sure that each of us in the congregation is able to impact our world? These are the things that we're doing, right? We're learning to develop a culture and community, which is why we're doing these different events, to make sure we're reaching out and connecting with one another. We're looking at ways in which we can establish our faith, whether it's through the training and the tools that we have, and, and Pastor Carol spoke about this last week. And this week I'm going to talk about equipping. And if at the end of my talk today you don't feel fully equipped, that's okay. Come back tomorrow and next week, and we'll share with you how to become empowered. 
So it's, a, it's an exciting course. But what I also thought about is that this is, while it's linear on the slide, it's not linear in our walk. Okay, we continue to, to learn, to grow as Christians. If you have done and established your faith, awesome. If you did it 20 years ago, awesome. But you, we've got to keep going back and reestablishing our faith and strengthening our foundations. And today I'm going to prod you a little bit and check with you. Are you, are you equipped and are you going out and making a difference in the world? So let's dive into it. So before I do, I just wanted to know, um, the, the audience in the house, who here is in the full-time ministry? Anyone in full-time ministry? Okay, actually all of you are in full-time ministry. You should have known, opening question is going to be a trick question, right? Okay, you know, and, and this is part of why we're teaching this today, is that who of us, I'm not talking about are you paid by the church, or are you involved in the activities of the church? I'm not talking about professional church work. Are we involved in the ministry of sharing the gospel? And each and every one of us actually is. It doesn't matter where you're working. It doesn't matter what your job title is. It doesn't matter what environment you find yourself in. Each of us is in full-time ministry. And how do I know that? Because if you go to the next slide, we can see that Jesus, in Matthew 28, 18, this is one of the last things he said to his disciples. He said the following, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore and make disciples of all nations. I don't think it says go pastors. I think it says go as in everybody, right? Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. You know, every single member in this congregation is there to minister. And I'm going to talk a little bit about a couple of concepts this morning, but we're going to hold that slide for a, a few minutes as I, I share a few things. So first of all, um, it's not on, this, on the slide, but I want to talk about the concept of salt and light. And in Matthew 5, 13 to 16, so if you take your notes or you have your Bibles, Matthew 5, 13 to 16, Jesus says to the disciples, and he's trying to describe you know, what are we like, okay? And he said, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father who is in heaven. Now, if you think about salt, right, um, if we are the salt of the earth, what good is it if we're all just together in a constant clump, right? So, I mean, it's great. It's good that we're all here together. Please don't, <laughs> don't run away yet. Um, but what, is, what good is it if we only come together as salt and we don't go out into the world? Right? I don't know about you, but have you ever taken a nice spoon of salt and rum? Mm. Eh? No? That's not in the potluck, by the way. Um, so how is salt good? Salt is good when you do what with it? You sprinkle it, right? Okay. And the, and the Bible talks about we should speak the truth in love. right? So we need to be able to sprinkle the salt. We need to be able to be out there in the world. And that was God's plan. Right? For each of us in our workplaces, in the places that he's, he set us, in our families, for us to be that salt. Okay? 
And what that requires is very often, it, it requires us just to gently sprinkle God's word. Okay? And sometimes when we go, we think about evangelism or, 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 or living out our faith, we feel that we've got to walk around with the Bible and just, you know, preach out of it and speak out of it all the time. But really what salt is, is us gently touching our environment. Amen? So there's opportunities in the workplace where somebody says, oh, I've got a headache. Can I pray for you? And it doesn't have to be a long prayer. It can be a short prayer. I've got a problem in my family. And, we, and you know, we're all South Africans. We all know how many complaints there are every single day that we hear, right? So how are we salt in that environment? How are we bringing God's joy and peace and gentleness and kindness into the world, right? There's a great quote here from John Stott. He says, you can't blame the meat for being rotten. That's what meat does. You must blame the salt for not being there to preserve it. And we all, we, we all love biltong, <laughs> so we all understand that analogy, right? And that, that struck me because, you know, the world is rotten. And we look around and we say, but there's things rotten, and there's things going wrong in the world. So then we have to ask ourselves, are we being the salt in that environment? What are we doing about it? God has placed us in this environment to be that salt, to bring that light, to bring that joy. You know, as a, as a church, we've, I think we've actually said it twice. I think, Carol, you said it, and we said it in the opening. What is our vision? Our vision is that we want to see lives, communities, and society transformed through the discipleship in the Word, the power, and the presence of God. And how does God do that? Well, He establishes all of us in community. And we all got to ask ourselves, what's that community? What are those, whose names are on that list that I've got? Who am I praying for and trusting God to change and evolve and transform? So I'm going to share a little bit from a book um, called Wiki Church. And in Wiki Church, Steve Murrell, who is uh, the head of the international movement um, of every nation, and some of you may have seen him. I think he was in the opening videos, and we did the prayer and fasting in the beginning of the year. Um, so you may have seen him. And his origins as a pastor was that he established the church it's called the Victory Church in the Philippines. And this church, when we lived overseas, we had a few Filipino friends that were part of that church, and it was enormous. I don't even know how big it was anymore. Carol, you can correct me. But they had membership of up to 60,000 at one point. Is it over 80,000, right? It's a really large church, okay? And, you know, in this book of Wiki Church, um, Steve Murrell shares some of the myths around why do we we hold back from actually understanding our calling to going out and equipping and ministering others and discipling others. And I'm going to share one or two stories from there. So I'm going to talk about three discipleship myths, okay, because um, sometimes we, unassumingly or, or maybe by mistake, we don't realize that we're the ones that have been called into the world. We sometimes think it's the pastors, right? The pastor must go out into the world and, uh, and reach the lost. Well, so the first myth is the myth of mentoring, and that is that the pastor's, this is the, the pastor's job is to, is to minister to me. Excuse me. Whoops. I don't even know which slide I'm on. There we go. The pastor's job is to minister to me. All right, so let's go to the next slide. Guess what? Here's the truth. This is what's called the fivefold ministry. So if you ever heard that term, fivefold ministry, this is where it comes from, the book of Acts, when the early church is being established. 
And here we see the place, right? So we know that Jesus is the head of the church, right? And he's established different offices within that. And he says within there, we gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers for the equipping of the saints for the ministry of the building up of the body of Christ. You see, there are um, offices within the church, right? There's the office of the prophet, the office of the evangelist, or the teacher, the shepherd, or the, or the pastor. But their role is to equip the church. It's to equip you and I, it's to equip us, so that we can build up the body of Christ and that we can go out and, and impact the world. So the myth is not that the church or the pastor is here to just minister to us or to minister to the world, but it's to mentor us. Pastors are here to mentor us so that we can go out and make an impact in the world. So the second myth is the myth of ministry. So maybe you're sitting here and you say, I am not ready. You know, every t- and, and it's interesting because I'm, I'm part of a men's group, and every time there's a couple of guys in that group who one of them, um, he... I can see he, he, every time he comes to the group, he's like, man, I learned so much. I learned so much today. And then I, he says, I've got so much more to learn. And actually, it's almost the opposite effect. He realizes that this, he doesn't know that much scripture. And then it, he actually feels that he's ill-equipped. He's ill-equipped to actually go out and make a difference. And we were talking the one day and saying, look, you are ready to be used by God. Because guess what? If you look at the next slide, God is ready to use you right where you're at, okay, right where you're at right now. God is ready to use you. And one of the major stumbling blocks we have is that we don't feel ready. So this friend of mine who I can see every Friday when we meet, he's like, oh, that's so, I can't believe how much I've learned. I've got so much more to learn. We're encouraging him, you know, just continue to, to reach out. And he came back to us last week and he said, you know what? He was in his workplace and somebody came to him and said, you know, I've noticed that when we go out for drinks, you don't drink. And I've noticed there's something special about your life. And he started talking to him, right? What we call salt. Start a conversation, right? And he started talking to him. He started sharing with him. He started sharing his testimony. And guess what? He didn't need to know all the scriptures, okay? But he could influence and share and teach this, this gentleman a little bit about his faith and about what it means to be in a relationship with God. And, you know, I was reflecting on um, when Jesus feeds the 5,000, right? And you see the disciples looking out, and they say, oh my goodness, these 5,000, what are you going to do about it? And Jesus says, what do we have? Right? And what did they bring him? Two fishes and five loaves, right? And I would ask us the same question today, what do you have? You don't have to have the buffet. <laughs> you just have to have a little bit, okay? God can use that little bit. He can anoint that, and you can make an impact right here today. So don't be, don't be held back by the fact that you don't feel ready to be used in ministry. And the third myth is the myth that uh, no one should minister until they are mature. So linked to what I've just stated, okay, um, is that I haven't done a course. I haven't done, you know, theology. You know, at what point am I mature enough? What if I make a mistake? What if I tell somebody something and it's incorrect, right? Sometimes this holds us back from actually having the courage to go out and and uh, and and minister because we feel that we're not mature enough. Well, guess what? I've got, a, I've got a, a truth for you today. No one will mature until they minister. Okay? There are things that are learned on the sports field that you can't teach in practice. 
You know, I was watching, you know, we're building up for the Rugby World Cup, and you listen to all the commentaries, and somebody was saying, you know, they sent some of the team to New Zealand, and they kept some back, and what a, what a, and the one thing was, yeah, but what about those who were holding back? Are we giving them enough match time? So why is match time so important? I mean, these guys are playing rugby like eight hours a day, okay? So why is that 90-minute match time important? Why are the commentators talking about it? Because we all know that you've got to be out there in the game, and that's where you learn. And guess what? Sometimes you get a bit trampled in the game, but you also learn, right? So as Christians, it's the same way. It's important that we're in training, that we're reading, that we're equipping, that we're seeking God's face, that we're in connect groups. But it's also important that we step out into the match. Amen? And, you know, we will stumble, and we'll talk a little about that in a moment, but we shouldn't let that fear of failure hold us back from the purpose and the calling that God has in our lives. And if you think about the Apostle Paul and, um, and, uh, and his life, in Acts 9 verse 1 it says, He was breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. I mean, he was fervent about killing Christians, okay? And um, he just wanted, he was on this mission to throw Christians in jail, and, and off he goes, and uh, you all know the story well, on his way to Damascus um, to persecute believers. Um, we have this, these, the story of his turnaround. And guess what? When he's blinded, and there's, he doesn't know where to go, there's a man named Ananias, right? You all know Ananias. I think this guy's in, got incredible faith. <laughs> and, uh, but guess what? He's not a pastor. Ananias wasn't a pastor. Okay. God called him to go and speak to Paul. And it says there in the scripture, Paul spends several days in, ver- in Acts 9 verse 19 with the disciples. And in verse 20, at once he, made, he began to preach and make disciples. At once. Okay. He didn't go off to, to school. Okay, he did have a lot of knowledge of the, of the Old Testament. But he at once, because of what he had experienced and experienced Jesus, he went out and began to make disciples. Verse 23 says, Then after many days, so not after months or weeks, but after days, Paul's preaching stirred up persecution and he had to flee for his life. So he went out, he was fervent, and then what happened? Barnabas came alongside him, right? He was an older disciple who took him under his wing and made sure that he could guide and lead Paul, okay? But what was interesting is that Paul didn't wait till he was mature, until he started ministering. He started straight away. You know, in the, in the New Testament times, ministry was the pathway to maturity, okay? Today, we replace knowledge with, with that. We say knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. Have you heard that term? Right? I, I, I work in a company where very often... Like I was recently in a global event with people all over the world, and it was quite interesting. They're talking about somebody they admire. And you know what words I often hear people saying? That guy's smart. That lady is smart. I keep thinking, does smart translate into impact? I'm not sure, but it's in our society. We, we, we love knowledge. We think that knowledge is power. But we are living in a time where there's more knowledge than ever, right? But is, are things better? Are things different? right? And I often think about the differences of some of the people I worked with or went to school with. I had some people who were really smart and some people who were quite naughty, actually, but they were quite courageous. And I look all these years later and I say, 
How have people done? And you know what? Those who had courage, that went out, that tried things, they've often done better in life, okay? Because they went out, they learned, they tried. And what about us as Christians? Are we going out there? Are we learning? Are we trying? Or are we just reading scriptures? Are we just saying, I'm not ready, I'm not ready. This is just a personal relationship, just me and Jesus. And, and there's no outlet valve. Years ago, I think I was a teenager, and Pastor Doug, who married us, you know, he, he shared this, he shared something, and he said, we have got streams of living water which flow into us. So if you imagine this stream flowing into a dam, but what happens if there's no outlet? What happens if that dam is not going out into the world? What happens to that water? It just sits, right? It gets stale. Sometimes it dies. Sometimes it stinks. Okay? I don't want to be like that. I want God's living waters to flow in to me, to each one of us, and then they flow out the other side. So what? So that more living waters can flow in. And if you're finding yourself saying, I'm going through the same challenges over and over again, think about how are you allowing God to flow into your life, and do you have outlets to flow into others? Okay? And sometimes that's the gap that's in our ministry and in our walk. So let's go to the next slide. Um, which is, let's consider the role and the, the model of Jesus. And this is what Jesus did. He, he called together the twelve. He gave them power and authority over all demons to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. Okay? The truth is, you know, he just he sent them out. Two by two. Okay, you two pair up. You two pair up. What if we stopped the service now and said, okay, everybody pair up. Okay, you two, you two are smiling in the front row. Off you go. Go find somebody in the street. Go minister to them. You know, many years ago, I did a, a course called uh, Evangelism Explosion. And um, I'm, not, I'm not the greatest with evangelism. My, that's my wife's calling. Um, but we went out, and I tell you, I was nervous. Eh? Going to like, strangers' houses and, 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 and sharing the gospel. And what I remember so distinctly was a couple of things. One, I was super nervous. Two, I really had to rely on the Holy Spirit, right? I really had to find myself calling on the Lord to say, I don't know what I'm doing here. Please guide me and lead me. And three, we saw an impact. Those are the things that I remember from that time and the times that I've done it again. I've always felt nervous. I've always realized how insufficient I am and I need God's power. And he's always made an impact. I've always been surprised at how God comes up for me. And I don't know why. Because he's so mighty, he's so powerful, he's never let us down, right? He's never let me down. But yet somehow we have that inertia not to go out. And, um, you know, there's a, there's a great story in the Wiki Church. And I actually think, um, I remember Steve Merrill sharing this and, uh, in person. And when the church first started, and I think they still do this, their belief was you've got to start sharing your faith as quickly as you can. Because as soon as you start talking and sharing, you've got the power of the Holy Spirit to guide and lead you. And so, you know, the question people asked was, you know, like, when am I ready to start discipling? I don't know if I'm ready, okay? I haven't done, you know, the Purple Book ten times. And the response is normally this. If somebody has repented, if you've crossed the line of faith and accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you're not rebelliously continuing in some major blatant sin, then you're ready. Okay, then you're ready. And that's most people in this church right now. You're ready. You are ready. You have what it takes. And 
in this church, there was you know, a growing phase in the Victory Church, and there was this young man, Ferdy, who, who came, and he, he came to the altar, and he gave his life to the Lord, and he was sitting near the front row somewhere, and a few days later, they had another service, and there was another altar call, and people came up to, gave their life, to give their lives to the Lord, and Pastor Steve said, come, Ferdy, you can come minister to this one. And Ferdy's like, no, 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 I'm not ready. I'm not ready. He says, I've only been saved three days. Yes, but this guy's only been saved three, three minutes. So to him, you're a spiritual giant. He says, um, okay, um, I, I, you asked me to read the book of, of, of Mark. He says, so how are you doing with that? No, I've finished Mark. Uh, okay, excellent. So then why don't you start taking him through the book of Mark? He says, okay, but I've already started the book of Luke. He said, okay, well, fantastic. Well, when, you, when, when you've finished, teach him that. He said, but the main thing is you've got to stay one chapter ahead. If he starts going ahead of you, then you start ministering to him, okay? And, you know, Steve Murrell always challenged me whenever he spoke because I, am, I do fall into that bucket of wanting to understand and have knowledge and taking the responsibility seriously of being able to share God's word. But what you see is that so many times in Scripture, we look at the model that Jesus had. He made sure there was a certain amount of, of knowledge, and then he sent... Um, the disciples out. So if we go to the next slide, we see that we are all empowered to do the work of Jesus, okay? And we are all empowered to go out and be disciples. Um, in Luke, it's, it's described, Jesus called the 12 together. He gave them power and authority. We saw that just now. And he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So after the equipping, after the empowering and the sending them out, what happened? then Jesus always debriefed them, right? Like, what happened? What happened when you went out? And he heard the stories, some good, some bad. And then Jesus corrected them. Okay, no, don't do that again, all right? Okay, do that. That's awesome, right? And, and so they went through the cycle, and then they were empowered, and they were encouraged, and then he sent them out again, okay? It wasn't that they sat there and then just waited until certain moments, and then the disciples had to be pushed. So if you feel this morning like you're getting a little bit of a push, that's okay, you're normal. You're like me. You're like the disciples. Okay? It was easier to be in the presence of Jesus. But he kept pushing them out. And he kept empowering them and equipping them. Okay, go out and do that and pray for them and heal them and, and cast out demons. Okay? Um, and you know what was interesting is the disciples, in fact, were astonished at what God was expecting them to do. They were like, we're not ready for this. <laughs> he said, yes, you are. But you go out in twos. You've got one another to be accountable. And you go see and he pushed them out. Um, and, and even though we saw, mo you know, like often in situations they were in front, uh, confronted with impossible logistics, Jesus said, why, why don't you give them something to eat? You know, when they stand in front of the 5,000, Lord, what do we do? Look at all these 5,000. He's like, okay, well, then feed them, right? Um, or, you know, when they were saying, oh, Lord, the storm's about to, about to consume us. He says, okay, well, then let's just pray and, and calm the storm. Um, and, you know, Jesus walked with them, but you can see, as you look at the disciples, they were wrestling through all these things all along the way, saying, but I'm not ready. I'm not fully empowered. I've never faced this situation before. I've never faced 5,000. I've never faced a storm. I've never faced this demonic situation. But yet Jesus said, you are ready, right? I am with you. You are ready. And church, God is with us. And you are ready. You are ready. Are we ready to step out in faith? So this morning... 
really what I want to encourage you is, on the last slide, God has called all of us to impact our world. Okay? And he has put us in a church where we've got equipping, we've got apostles, we've got evangelists, we've got teachers, we've got pastors. We've got the fivefold ministry, and that's there to equip us and get us ready sent out into the world. You know, I, I think back on different situations in my own workplace um, and how the Lord has used me. And I remember, um, you know, at one point being in a, in a workplace where I felt uncomfortable. I felt unhappy. I had a, had a boss, this was many years ago, in, in New York who I just didn't get on with. And you know what God told me to do? He told me to go to work early and walk around and pray. Okay, just walk around and pray and bring his presence. Bring his presence, okay? So if you're in a situation and you say, I don't know what to do. I feel, I don't know what to do in the workplace. I know that I'm being called to minister. Go and bring in God's presence, right? It's part of what our vision is, is to transform the world, the world through his power and his presence. So I went in and I started praying, right? And I was praying. Every day I would go in and I would just walk around the office. It wasn't weird, you know. Um, I just walked around the office and I prayed for God's presence. And I started to notice the atmosphere change, okay? And I started to notice little moments at the coffee shop where I could now suddenly start talking to somebody. And I noticed some of the people in the workplace who were really difficult, no longer enjoyed working there, started leaving, Okay? And there were people that were open to God, to, to me praying for them, to speaking to them. It was the time where, um, what was that, the passion came out. And I had a, a, friend, a friend of mine, a Hindu friend, say, hey, I know you're a Christian. I heard all about this movie, and let's go watch it together. And I collected three or four friends from the office, okay? Um, all from, not, none of them Christians. <laughs> and we went and watched the passion. And then we went and sat in a coffee shop, and we spoke about it. And... You know, these are all these different things that happened. Why? Because I allowed God's presence, and I invited God's presence. I am the salt in my workplace. You are the salt in your, your workplace. How are you bringing your salt? You don't need to shove it in people's mouths. Sprinkle it. Bring in God's presence. Be open and available. And think about, what, is, what can I do in 30 seconds? God's not asking you to go into the workplace tomorrow with a Bible and start preaching with a megaphone. God is asking you to go in there and to be his child and to shine your light, to be kind and gentle and bring God's presence. I can do that. I think you can do that. I know you can do that. You're equipped and you're ready. Thank you, church. I'm going to invite Carol up. Awesome. The job of the vocational ministers, those who, who work in the church, is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. You're the ones that interface with the world on a daily basis. You're the ones who are, who are right there amongst the people that need Jesus. And God is pouring out on you capacity to share the gospel in, in sprinkled salt form He's pouring out to you capacity to love people in a way that they see Jesus. He's pouring out on you capacity to start conversations, ask questions, listen, and tell your story. Amen. As we close, one of the things that I would love you to consider is that is to be a to be a part of this community in the area of connect groups and to consider 
leading a connect group. Remember, we, we heard now that every person is equipped to minister. Connect groups in this church um, are not uh, many church services. Connect groups in this church are places where members of this congregation and people from outside of the congregation can get together and talk around the word of God, can discuss things, can ask questions, can can listen to one another, can pray for one another. Every single one of you can do that. And in addition, when you do that, we will support and equip and help you to be able to be effective in that. So where you are in your seats, you like I said, you will have sat on this piece of paper. So if you wouldn't mind fishing around and finding it, The first thing is that we would love everyone in this, in this church in a connect group. We are starting a sermon series in two weeks' time on the book of Acts called Dare to Follow. And what we are hoping in this sermon series is that we will all journey through the book of Acts together and that you would invite your friends to come and journey with us. So even people... In the, all the people in the church, we want to journey through this together. But in addition, we want to invite people from outside the church to journey with us. Come and explore the Bible with us. Let's see what the Bible has to say. So first of all, we would like every one of you to be in a connect group. Next of all, next, we would like, so if, you're not in, if you are in a connect group, fantastic. On that piece of paper, you will put down which connect group you are in. Second of all, we would love every one of you uh, to consider leading a connect group. And by that, we will, we will help you. We will send you names. But we're also going to ask you to gather names, gather people from your environment. So if you can think now of two people in your workplace who would be interested, put your name down as a connect group leader. If you are deciding, I think I want to, I want to step out and minister more than I have before. Then I'm asking you also to put down your name as I want to start a connect group. We will, we will train you, we will help you, we will get you going, we'll put you in a, a support group that helps our leaders, that mentors our leaders of our connect groups. We will put you in that, we call them leadership groups, you'll be in one of those. So if you wouldn't mind, please, right now, if you do not have a pen with you, won't you raise your hand because there are pens being handed out. As we have been learning across the weeks that any, any Christian, in order to be effective, we need to be connected. You know the, the fateful story, or not the fateful, the famous story of the fire with the coals of fire. This was actually a famous story that, that Wesley told, one of the great revivalists, is that every coal in that fire is hot and burning and alive whilst it's in the fire. If you take one of those coals and you move it out of the fire, that coal soon dies and just becomes a cold ember. If you put it back in the fire with the other coals, it immediately bursts back into life. And so we are, we are wanting you to be bursting with life. We want you to be connected. We want you to be in community. And we want you from that place to be reaching out into the communities around you. So go ahead and fill in that form. You will 
need to fill in um, your name and your contact details. And then if you will tick one of those four options, I'm already in a connect group, and then you can put the name of your connect leader. I would like to join a connect group, and then you can say whether you would like a young adult connect group or a community group. And last of all, I would like to lead a connect group. And then you can say which area you're in. We will contact you and help you get going with that. But in the meantime, you can begin to invite family and friends to that. Okay, fantastic. Um, Tobek is just reminding me, we forgot to put on there that you would indicate whether you're a man or a woman so that we can make sure that we send, if we have people looking for a connect group, we send them to the right, the right kind of leader. So if that's you, if that's you, sorry, <laughs> I know it's you, won't you just mark male or female, just write it next to your name so that we can know, um, if, we, if we don't know your name, we will know which gender you are, thank you. Um, then I'm going to ask one la second last thing. Once you've filled that in, please can you pass all your cards to the aisle, to, to your left or right, whichever one that is. So once you've filled in your card, you're going to pass it to the aisle, and then the ushers are going to come down the aisles and collect all those papers with you, from you. So thank you, ushers, if you could do that. We're just going to take a moment and enjoy the awkward silence. Are you all okay with that? The interesting thing about awkwardness is it actually doesn't kill you. It feels like it will. But if you just stay still, it passes. If you feel like it, you can turn to your neighbor and make awkward conversation in the awkward silence. That's also fine. I'm going to ask the worship team, I don't see them around, but if we could have some musicians up front, thank you. Oh, here you are, they're right here, <laughs> and right there. As I was praying today, I felt like God wanted us as a church, to consecrate ourselves to the work of ministry. As Chris opened up with and asked who's in full-time ministry, if you ever hear that question again, raise your hand so fast because God has called you full-time into his kingdom. That doesn't mean that you're necessarily called to work 
for the church like I am, but it does mean that you are called as an individual to give your life fully to His purposes here on earth. And I felt like God wanted to remind us of that today. And I feel like for many of you, as you heard about this, and as you were listening to what Chris has to say, perhaps you were thinking, you know, I'd never thought of myself like that. I'd always thought that the pastors were the ones who would go out and do all the fantastic exploits. They would come with the testimonies of healings, of salvations, and I would just support them as they did it. And meanwhile, it's the absolute opposite way around, that the pastors are here to support you as you go into the world and do the work of ministry, as you interface with the world and allow them to see Jesus in you. You know, can you imagine this if you went to the Rugby World Cup or your favorite soccer team and you went to the stadium and you were sitting there and you noticed that the team weren't on the, on the field, only the, only the coaches were on the field. And the two coaches of each team were like kicking the ball backwards and forwards. How boring is that game? How boring is that game? Because you know coaches can't really play. You see, the point is that to be on the team, you want to be on the field. And we're all on the team. When you said yes to Jesus, God put you on the team. And the beauty is that now he's sending you out onto the field to play the match. You get to score the goals. And the coaches on the sideline get to cheer and call and train and equip you so that you can play the game. And of course, I'm also a Christian, so I get to play the game as well and coach. It's kind of a fun thing. You should try it sometime. If anyone wants to come into church work, you just let me know. We've got a place for you. But I would love us all to stand. And I'd love you to just close your eyes, take a deep breath. Just remember that you belong to Jesus. You've already succeeded. There's nothing you will ever have to do that will make you stronger, better, or more loved. Or maybe it'll make you stronger, better, but it won't make you more loved. You've already succeeded. You've already succeeded. I want you to feel the favor of Jesus upon you. And in that place, I'm going to ask you to surrender your life once more to Him say, Lord, my life is yours. Can we pray this prayer? Lord Jesus, I come to you. Lord, I surrender my life to you. Lord God, I consecrate myself to the work of ministry. Lord, every day, I pray that you would come and lead me to people that need to know about you. Lord, Lord, give me opportunity to love them. Give me opportunity to do kind things for them. Give me opportunity to share my faith with them. Lord, come and use me to impact my world. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Last of all, I'm going to ask if we have any connect group leaders here, I would love you 
to come forward. We want to pray for you and bless you. And I want to honor you. If there's anyone here who's leading a connect group, I'd love you to come forward just as a way of us honoring you before the church. Second of all, if you have marked on that sheet that you handed in that you would like to lead a connect group, I'm going to ask you to come forward also. So people who are leading connect groups and those of you who would like to lead connect groups, please won't you come forward, stand facing the congregation. I want them to see your faces. I want them to look at you and say, man, that's a fantastic person. Give them a hand as they come. in a connect group so only two options if you are in a connect group your connect group leaders probably are here or they AWOL from church today phone them afterwards and ask them where they were or if you're not in a connect group won't you look at these people and say that's the person whose connect group I want to be in find them after the service and say please can I join your connect group but can we extend our hands to these amazing incredible people and is there someone with a camera who will take a video of all these people for me because I want to remember them for a long time. So if there's someone here, if you wouldn't mind doing that. Thank you, Musa. So Lord, right now, just extend your hands to them. Right now, Lord, we bless these. Holy Spirit, come upon them in power. Lord God, I pray that every single one of them, Lord God, would receive new anointing. Lord God, surprise them with the power that rests on them. Lord God, I pray that each and every one of them would see miracles. I pray that each and every one of them would find courage beyond their wildest imagination. Lord God, I pray that wisdom would come to them. Even when they're with people and they're talking to people, let words come out of their mouths that surprise even them. Lord God, I ask that you would honor them, bless them. Lord God, I pray they would prosper in every way, their homes, their families, everything they do would prosper. I pray this in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, we honor them, we commend them to you. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. Can we give them a hand? Thank you, fantastic, brave, committed, courageous, incredible, strong people. We honor you. World changes. Amen. Thank you.